Welcome back to Voices in My Head. This is your host, Rick Lee James, and you are listening to episode 122. This is going to be sermon number 7 of a series of 10 sermons I did called Questions from God. Just before I get to part 7 today, uh, I want to let you know real quick that I am offering you my book for a very limited time, absolutely free, for a download over at books.noisetrade.com slash James. That's right. If you go to books.noisetrade.com slash James, you'll be able to get my book on the Psalms called Out of the Depths, a songwriter's journey through the Psalms, absolutely free. Now let me tell you a couple reasons why I'm doing this. One is, I hope that you will leave a tip uh, whenever you do that. Now the book is free and so I want it to be available to everyone uh, so that you can read this for free uh, because uh, really I'd like you to read it and I'd love to hear what you think about it, but I also think that it will be some benefit to you hopefully uh, in your life as a Christian and as you walk with the Lord. So uh, blessings be upon you. Hope you can enjoy that. But also I'm, I'm hoping that you might consider giving a tip whenever you download that. There's a, As soon as you download, there's a, a button that says leave a tip. And if you do leave a little bit of money, you're actually helping to fund my next album, which is going to be the Hymn Project. And uh, it's going to be hymns, ancient, um, ancient and modern, um, things that are written from the Book of Common Prayer, things that I've written, uh, co-written, or rewritten, um, either myself or with other people. So I just wanted to make you aware of that, so go to books.noisetrade.com slash James. Another reason I'm giving that away is I'm actually this week teaching a class in Nashville, Tennessee at Trevecca Nazarene University uh, using my book, Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms, and um, I just figured, hey, in honor of that, uh, I will offer my book for free a little bit longer on Noise Trade. And uh, right now, it's one of the top downloads, so I'm really excited about that. And they have it in the new and notable section on Noisetrade.com. So uh, if you just go to books.noisetrade.com, you're going to see all kinds of great books by a lot of great authors that are free. I encourage you to tip them as well, but see what they have. They have a lot of great things. Maybe you want to read the book first and then tip them based on kind of what you gleaned from it. But uh, whatever the case is, I hope you'll be generous uh, uh, to everyone who you patronize on that site. So, all right, without any further pause, other than just to say uh, you can still uh, donate towards my next album for a few more weeks at uh, gofundme.com slash hymns. That's H-Y-M-N-S, just like the hymn book. Uh, and no more about that. I'm going to get into part seven of Questions from God. A series sermon I delivered a few weeks ago at a camp meeting in West Virginia. I hope you'll enjoy it and God will bless you through it. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. All right. Who plugged in here? The knobs. The knobs. All three of them? Yeah. Okay. First one, sorry. All right. This is actually a funny song, okay? You're supposed to laugh at this. I want you to, but it's a funny song with a purpose. It has a point, okay? Uh, imagine with me, if you will, a church. Maybe your church has these. 
has a church sign on the front of it that you can take those plastic letters and put them up and make them say different things. You guys have those at your churches, any of you? Some of you do? Okay, I see hands going up. Well, we have one at our church, and, and sometimes because we're close to the high school and the junior high, people will come over and make the signs say different things. Um, one time they changed our worship service times to make our signs say, we worship weed. You know, we had a whole different group of people come to church that day. Yeah. Uh, but this is a song, a song about a church sign, okay? And more than that, it's a, sign, a song about what would happen to a group of people. Say if a church was hoping to get singers for their choir, but in the night, God had other plans and something else happened. And if you don't laugh at this, I will be personally offended. All right, here we go. Well, we just got a sign at our church last month. Bought a marquee for announcements and such. The choir needed singers. We thought it worked fine to write singers welcome upon our sign. One Saturday night, the wind blew too hard, and one of the letters flew off through the yard. Now who would have known all the trouble? All that biker gang walked through the door And Melvin and Martha's poor hearts skipped a beat When they saw those hippies sit down in their seats And Bob got a chill from his head to his toes When he saw that man with the ring in his nose And I can't believe my very own eyes There's women in blue jeans and men well, who let these sinners in my church? The place is just packed and it could not be worse. Now all of the deacons are mad as can be. Cause we just wanted singers, but we lost the cheese. Well, that preacher of ours, he just went insane. He says it's a miracle all of Talking all crazy, he must not be well. He says it's revival, but we say it's hell. Well, who left these sinners in my church? The place is just packed and it could not be worse. Now all of the deacons are mad as can be. Cause we just wanted singers, but we lost the
we in Christ Church are always trying to find a way to disqualify people from the kingdom of God. It seems like, for some reason, in spite of what Jesus taught, we're always trying to find a way to push people out, to keep the right people in and keep the wrong people out of our churches. And it's a very confusing thing to me because it's the polar opposite of what Jesus was trying to do. Of course, Jesus was crucified for reaching the wrong kinds of people and bowing to a different God than everybody else was bowing to. So did you know, you know, I don't know if any of you realize this, but did you know that there are some Bible verses that Jesus ignores? He kind of reinterprets some of them, and some of them he flat out disobeys. Did you realize that? But he is the Word made flesh. He is God's living Word. He is what God has to say, and he came to clear up some things for us. I think there's psalms that Jesus wouldn't pray because he came to show us a new and better way, and he re-envisions and re-imagines and reinterprets Scripture. We're going to look at Scripture today where Jesus starts doing some testing of Scripture. And I don't know if I'd say exactly that he disobeys Scripture, but he doesn't necessarily obey it either. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that today. John chapter 8, we're going to have it up on the screen. While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, just like that lawyer did the other day. They were hostile. They said this to test them. Him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. Remember what we said last night about elders? Elders who lack contemplation are just old people. So beginning with the elders, they went away. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go on your way. From now on, do not sin again. Our question from God today is in verse 10. Woman, where are they? Who condemns you? It's a good question for us to ask and I want us to think about it today. Who condemns you? Where are they? Where are the ones who condemn you? So let me ask you this question first before we get too far. And I want, I want participation today, so please help me out. What is sin? Just just give me some answers. It's great. You can come to the mic if you want to. I just want to know what you think sin is. Disobedience. Disobedience. That's definitely sin. What's some more? Against God's will. Going against God's will. Okay, good. Do we have any others? Yes? Doing things really bad and not supposed to do, especially if you're like, um, giving yourself control with 
Okay, get me stuff to it, please. That can be a sin. Any other definitions of sin that we can share today? Missing the mark. Missing the mark, that's good. Hata in Hebrew, missing the mark. Any others? Well, for our purposes this morning, here's what I think is a pretty good biblical definition of sin. Something that doesn't come from God. Something that is not empowered by God. Something that disobeys God. I think we've, we've caught a lot of this today. It's, not, it's about disobedience. It's about missing the mark. It's about not living up to something that we should have lived up to. It can be these moral things at times. But it's really something that doesn't come from God. It's something that's not empowered by God. What would happen... Um, to a woman if they were caught in adultery. What does the Bible say should happen to a woman who was caught in adultery? Does anybody know? I'm going to tell you the verse in a second. But anybody know what the Bible says? Yes. She used to be stoned. And they were ready to do it, weren't they? But let me give you the actual scripture passage. It's Leviticus 20, verse 10. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. So let me ask you this question. Scripture says both the adulterer and the adulteress should be put to death. Where's the man at? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they were choosing, you know. They did, I don't know where the man was, but the law clearly says both parties should be put to death, not just one. The answer isn't given. However, I think we get a clue when we see the, the motives of the Pharisees. It says the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. So if she was caught in the act, the man was there, right? So, I don't know, I guess he ran fast or something. Now the law of Moses commanded us, stone such women. It says it right there in the text. Now what do you say? So they said this to test him, or to tempt him, is another translation of that word. So that they might have some charge to bring against him. Some charge to, it says, literally, you can translate this way, some charge to accuse him with. They were trying to test him, tempt him, accuse him, and charge him with something. So, in the Bible, let me ask you a question. Who is it that tempts and tests and accuses us? Is it God? It's not really a trick question. Who, is, who in Scripture tries to test and tempt and accuse us? The devil. The devil. All right, Satan. Not God. We could say, we could just say, not God. Whatever God is, Satan is not. And so it's interesting, John, the writer, uh, the writer of John is going out of his way to show us that these religious people, these church folks, these religious folks, I now understand this is the church of the day. There wasn't Christianity. There was just Judaism at that time. And then all the other religions that were around, Jesus was a part of Judaism. So the church people are coming in. They're using their Bible. They're saying, this is biblical. What would you have us do? And John is taking care to show us that the church people are being tempting to Jesus. They're trying to accuse Jesus. They are trying... Um, to bring him up on charges, they are trying to do the very work of the devil. 
And John wants us to take note of that. They're being hostile. They're tempting Jesus. They're ready to start accusing him of being a false teacher. So the religious leaders themselves, were they, in fact, breaking the law of God themselves? Seems like it to me they were. Do you think, let me ask you this, do you think the religious leaders cared about this woman? Do you think they had any regard for her at all? What do you think? Anybody? Yes? No? Okay. Probably not. Doesn't seem like they cared about her too much. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus cared about her? I think without a doubt. Because I believe Jesus cares about everyone. How do you think... I want you to just put yourself in her shoes. It says they brought her publicly before everybody. Just shout some words out to me today. How do you think this woman felt when she was dragged before everybody and the whole crowd is there? How do you think she felt? Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. Like dirt. Like dirt. Sorry, what was that? In shame. Alone. Oh, alone, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you say cursed? Embarrassed. Embarrassed? Yeah. I think all these things are true. Think about it just from that woman's perspective for a moment. Guilty or not, the shame, the embarrassment, the aloneness, the guilt, the feelings that she must have. And it wasn't just something that she had between a couple people. It wasn't just between her and her husband or this other man. It was brought out in public and she was shamed and humiliated in front of everyone. How do you feel? And maybe this has never happened, but how do you think you would feel? And you don't have to shout this out, but how do you think you would feel if someone publicly took your sin and shined a spotlight on it for the whole world to see and said, look how bad they are. Think of your most embarrassing moment, the worst sin that you can ever remember committing, and think of it just being broadcast for everyone to see. The nightly news tonight. So-and-so did this. Can you believe it? And the whole nation shames you. Or if they just take you into your church, and on Sunday morning they drag you up front and say, we found this video of you committing this sin. Mm, you know, and everybody just looks on. That would be awful, wouldn't it? It'd be embarrassing. I would hate that. I know what I've done. I know my past. This, thank God, is not how Jesus operates. Public shame, humiliation, was something Jesus suffered from, not something Jesus inflicted on others. He is not in the business of doing that when exposing our sin. Now, understand, Jesus does take sin seriously. But he's not that kind of God. He doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to humiliate you and embarrass you or make you feel alone. Jesus wants to heal you. He does not want to humiliate you. And I think that's important that you need to understand that. I think it's important that I need to understand that. And all of us together need to hear that. So imagine yourself in the crowd. Imagine yourself on the other side of it now. Just imagine you're one of those religious people in the crowd. You're feeling very justified in condemning the woman. You're being biblical. The Bible said, well, Moses said stone her. Let's stone her. We're righteous in this. Let's do it. Come on. 
And Jesus makes a brilliant remark. What does he say to them? What does he say to the religious crowd? Do you remember in the scripture that we read? Yeah. Let the one of you without sin cast the first stone. That's brilliant. I think it's significant. You know, we talked about last night, and, and I said, you know, older people who lack contemplation are, are, are you know, they're not elders, they're just old people. I think it's very significant in this passage that the elders were the first to drop their stones and walk away. I think this passage is maybe saying to us, you know what, they were not completely blind to the work of the Spirit in their lives. Sure, they were following Scripture, but they had gotten it a little wrong because they missed compassion and mercy. And when they heard those words, I think it's very significant that those who were older in the faith and more mature in their faith, although they themselves were sinning at that point, heard the words that convicted them, I believe, and they had no choice but to drop the stones. An elder, presbyteros is the word. It's where we get the word Presbyterian from. It says, when they heard it, one by one, they began walking away. And then the younger people began following their example and walking away from this situation. This is why I struggle. And young people, I want you to hear this well, okay? This is kind of a little side trail. But I struggle with churches that want to leave our older people behind. I understand the tendency but there's a lot of wisdom in our older folks. And I really believe if you were to spend some time with them and listen to some of the things they have to say, you're going to glean some wisdom and some understanding and some insight. Now, don't make a mistake about this. Elders can be just as wrong as anybody else, okay? They can be on the wrong side of an issue. They're often the first to come to their senses, though. Often. It was a beautiful thing last night. The, the little old lady that came down, I won't tell you everything she said, but God was working on her, you know, and she was very transparent and very open, and she said, I've been in the Nazarene church, I've been a sanctified Christian for 41 years, and it's like God revealed this new to me for the first time tonight, something, and, and I won't tell you all that it was, but I thought, wow, here's an example of an elder, someone that pays attention to the Spirit. Now, I don't know that it's even explicit in this story that the elders that were supposed to top them up that high in the story, but I think, it, I think it's significant that they were the first ones to drop their stones and leave. So all that is to say, my little side trail there, don't dismiss the older people around you just because they're older. They have wisdom to share. But what do you think the, the younger people were doing as they were watching the older ones leave? Says they went after. What do you think was going on through younger people's lives while they're watching what the older ones were doing? You tell me. Do younger people follow the example of older people? Just a yes or no. Do you think they do? Yeah. Not always. Not always. Sometimes. You think on a lot of matters they do. Some they do. Sometimes we rebel. But I think it's significant. I think a lot of times, if you're wise. Many times, the elders will have wisdom to share with you. So they turned and walked away. Um, I just wonder what they were feeling. Maybe the young and old alike were feeling a little embarrassed. Do you think maybe they were feeling a little bit of the shame that they were putting upon this woman in that moment? I mean, I don't think Jesus wants to shame anybody, but I think he wants to show us our sin. And he wants us to show us the seriousness of this. 
And he started in this brilliant way with just that phrase, let those of you without sin, I think that those who were getting ready to cast the stone started feeling the same thing that woman was feeling, embarrassment. They started feeling and maybe having some compassion to where she was. I hope they were. Then what do you think she was expecting Jesus to say to her? I mean, he probably thought she would yell at her. Or she probably thought he would yell at her. I said that backwards. I mean, I don't know. When you do something bad, you usually expect to at least be chastised or something like that. But Jesus straightened up. He said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, sir. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go your own way, and from now on, do not sin again. Go. I'm going to try to pronounce this in Greek. Pour you amahi. It sounds like a fish, amahi or something. But pour you amahi. Go, he said to her. And, and it means to go on a journey, to reach a new destination. It's like Jesus is saying, go on a new path. You are free to go a new way. Do you believe that this is how Jesus reacts to your sin? Remember, this is the God who spoke creation into being. He is now scribbling in the sand, coming up with a new way for us to look at Scripture. Sure, it was biblical. They could have been biblical and stoned her. But they wouldn't have been taught about themselves. When God starts asking questions to us, it searches us to the core. So I want to ask you that question today. Who condemns you? Who condemns you? I want you to think about that personally. forgiveness in this story? Why are we more eager to condemn people's sins than forgive them? What do you think people are looking for today when they come to Jesus? We're going to talk more about condemn tonight, but I, I want to take a minute, just like we did yesterday before we close out with our creed today. I want you to think about that word condemn, okay? Because it carries a lot of baggage and it means a lot of different things. So let's take, let's say, three minutes. You can do the same groups you were in yesterday and I want to get your answers. I'm going to talk more about it tonight. But that when Jesus says, who condemns you? I want us to really be pondering that. Is it God? Is it self? Is it people around you? Who do you feel like condemns you? So quickly break up in your groups and the question is, what does it mean to be condemned? What is condemnation? Just discuss that, okay? So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my clock right now and give you three minutes, okay? And go. Okay, I think that's uh, probably enough time and, and discussion. So let's have some spokespeople come up here and, and into the mic give us your answers. We can just make a line down front here. I want to hear about what you think condemnation is so we can think about a little better today when I ask the question that God asks, who condemns you? So here we go. We have a good definition for condemnation. That's, and let's, let's all listen, okay? Let's, let's have respect and listen. 
the way each person said it. What do you think condemn means? That's all I want to know. Just what you were discussing. <coughs> 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 about the question, who condemns you? A good working definition of condemnation, uh, if you are condemning someone, you are pushing them away. That's the best definition I can think of. To condemn someone is to keep them away, to push them back, to have nothing to do with them, to push them away. So when I ask the question, who condemns you? I want you to think of that in the light of Jesus. I want you to think about it in the people around you. And I want, to think of, I want you to think of it even, do you condemn yourself? We are some of the worst condemners of our own selves at times. So, we're going to address that more tonight, okay? Something to think about today. Who condemns you? Think about it in context of this story. Um, we're going to go ahead and end our time together today by doing our creed. Um, come back tonight. Prayerfully think about it today, and I'm going to talk about it more this evening. Let's stand together as we do our creed, and we'll be finished today, okay? The Maasai Creed. I hope you're enjoying this every day, because it always reminds me of what I believe as a Christian. Very good. We believe in the one high God, who out of love created the beautiful world, and everything good in it. He created man, and wanted man to be happy in the world. God loves the world and every nation and tribe on the earth. We have known this high God in darkness, and now we know him in the light. God promised in the book of his word, the Bible, that he would save the world and all the 
scribes. We believe that God has made good his promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ, a man in the flesh, a Jew by tribe, born poor in a little village, who left his home and was always on safari doing good, curing people by the power of God, teaching about God and man, showing the meaning of religion is love. He was rejected by his people, tortured and nailed hands and feet to a cross and died. He lay buried in the grave, but the hyenas did not touch him. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He ascended to the skies. He is the Lord. We believe that all our sins are forgiven through him. All who have faith in him must be sorry for their sins, be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, live the rules of love, and share the bread together in love to announce the good news to others until Jesus comes again. We are waiting for him. He is alive. He lives. This we believe. Amen. All right. Lord, go with us this day, we pray. I ask, Lord, you will help us to think seriously about that question. Who is condemning us? Help us to think seriously about the risen Christ, about you, Lord. Be very real in our lives today. Help us to ask you the question even. Lord, do you condemn? Lord, who do I condemn? And Lord, who is condemning me? Help us, Jesus, to seek the truth in love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great afternoon today. I'll see you tonight. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback. You can give me suggestions for future shows. You can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.